Thank you for tuning back in to Lunar Cat's third series, Sobriety. Today we're going to touch base with Matt in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Matt is someone who I admire. Matt is a light in this world. He is an awesome human, and I'm so excited to have him on the show today. Thanks for tuning in. Is it like properly cold, or do you feel like the snow is going to melt pretty soon? Uh, no, it's it's cold. It's in the teens. So there was just there was just a nice drastic switch where like. You know, it was, it was pretty much like consistently like 50, 60, like 70s peaking in November. And then the forecast went to like highs in the forties and now we're seeing highs maybe in the thirties, but like lows in the teens. So typical November now, you know? Yeah. Definitely a little late to the game. That's yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing. You know, we, uh, there's a lot of facets to it. I told my mom a couple of weeks ago, I was like, um, as an individual, uh, I'm going to enjoy the nice weather. You know, I'm going to go golfing. I'm going to, you know, try to stay outside, stuff like that. <clears throat> but on a, uh, I'm also going to, you know, hold some space and be conscientious of the fact that this is not normal. And there are things uh, that are not good that are causing these, um, you know, uh, weather and, and climate abnormalities. So. And just kind of holding holding both those together and being like, all right, cool. I'm going to enjoy a nice day, but I'm I'm not going to sit here and be like, this is this is all good. This is all hunky dory. Yeah, that's a really hard balance to find. Sometimes, like it's it's really overwhelming when you think of yeah. it. Um, I yeah. know that uh, one of the last times we talked, you went to the Tunnel of Trees um, with your mom. How was that? And like, had the trees turned? Did you feel like it was fall time up there? Um, we were, it was, it was close. Uh, we were probably a week, maybe like 10 days too early. Um, but that's, you know, it's, it's, with the weather coming off the lake and the, the lake still being a bit warmer at that point in time, um, kind of insulating the, those first, uh, you know, a few hundred yards, um, or like mile in inland from, um, the cold temperatures that caused that, uh, that cold or that, that color change. Um, so we saw a lot of coloration, uh, up in the middle of the state going up 131. Um, but then as you got closer to the lakeshore, it really, um, uh, tempered down and there was just a lot more green. So, um, it was still, I mean, it's, it's still a cool drive, um, scenic, lots of, lots of cool stuff to see up there. Um, you know, we went to a, a, a beach, uh, a park up there and, um, or a campground and like went to a couple of the beaches and drove out to the end of this peninsula. And we were able to see the, uh, the Mackinac bridge. Um, yeah, you know, I, I remarked to my mom, I said, Hey, we should be able to see the bridge around here. And then, you know, turn around and like, Oh, there it is. And it was, you know, a couple miles from us. So, um, still a, a, an awesome trip. Yeah. I was going to ask you, I know that I've followed on your Instagram that you, at one point you were running like a mile every single day. Mm-hmm. Are, you still, are you still on the running game? Uh, unfortunately. So back in, um, there's a, a little bit of history to that as I was, running for, um, a good period of time, at least a mile every day. 
uh, for a few years. Um, I started in, what would it be? 21. Uh, I think I started in 2019, okay. January 1st, 2019. So it'd be 2019, 2020, 2020. Yeah. So, um, and then this past April I had, you know, kind of made some intentionality to, uh, uh, grow my mileage again. And I was getting up to, um, you know, upwards of 20, 30, um, some weeks was doing, uh, upwards of 40 miles a week. Um, so I was, I was getting to the point of like averaging about 40 miles a week and then my hips started to hurt and then I, I started to dial it back. And then that followed with, uh, some plantar fasciitis that I've dealt with for a number of years flaring up. Um, and that actually, um, so I, I ran on my, you know, hurt foot for about four months and then went to the doctor, uh, got some advice from the doctor. She allowed me to keep running. Um, but after a few weeks of, of keep running on it or uh, still running on it and doing like stretches and icing and stuff like that, um, there wasn't any, uh, improvement. And I actually just stopped running one day. It was like, I went on a, a training run for a relay and, uh, it was brutal and it, and it really, uh, it was uh, demoralizing to have to like stop that that uh, that almost habit, you know. So no, I'm no longer running <laughs> right now. I I brought that up because I felt like it was like the commitment that you made to that was really like the commitment that you also have to your sobriety, and I just kind of saw those things as as going hand in hand. I'm really sorry that you can't run right now. Have you found? anything that's a good like alternative activity that doesn't put stress on that injury or. Um, the, so I've, I've been trying to uh, form some habits with, I have a, a stationary bike and um, a bench and some free weights. Uh, so trying to form some habits with those. Um, the, the foot thing, it was, it was interesting because I, I had dealt with it before and it had kind of just, um, tempered off by itself, you know, and this time, um, it didn't, and it, and it hasn't gotten substantially better. Um, and, uh, it was really, it was a rough, like 36 hours when I actually stopped running where it was like almost a grieving process. Um, but understanding that, that my, my character, my, myself, um, my personality isn't defined by running, um, as much as it kind of is, it was definitely a big part of, um, of me and like a, how a lot of people characterize me. Cause like you just asked, and, and I've, I've fielded a bunch of questions from people, just my friends over the past uh, couple months, like, Oh, how's, you know, how are you doing? How's your running? How's your foot? And it, it's almost like kind of, um, you know, letting someone know about like a death in the family or something like, no, unfortunately that's not a part of me anymore right now. Um, so it is similar to the sobriety thing. Um, but it was, you know, with the running, there was literally like a physical injury that finally caused me to, um, stop doing that. Um, which I guess kind of could parallel with, uh, with when I quit drinking and, and kind of going through, uh, emotional, uh, sometimes physical, um, injuries, uh, due to my alcohol uh, or drug usage. So, um, the, the sobriety thing is kind of just a, a habit for me now where it's just, I just don't drink, um, you know, and the, the running thing, it's, it's sad, but it's kind of, um, I made peace with it pretty quickly. 
understanding that I'm not defined by that, um, that singular action, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it, especially when you get really attached to a habit and it has that kind of emotional, um, impact on our day to day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly, you know, I mean, my, my relationship with alcohol was in a, a very similar way, you know, where I did that every single day. Um, you know, I, uh, or if I didn't do it every day, it was definitely something that, um, I was thinking about every day. Um, you know, and, and when we kind of build, uh, who we are, um, you know, we choose our habits, we choose our, uh, our actions, um, you know, a lot of stuff that, that, you know, might kind of be characterized to define us. Um, but understanding that all that stuff is temporary and, and being, you know, we can change who we are. We can change how we think we can change what we do. Um, and the running was something that it, it might've become problematic almost because of the fact that I continue to do it, even though my body, uh, was starting to, you know, show signs of wear and telling me like, Hey, stop doing this. So, um, but yeah, the way that we form those connections to those things is definitely, uh, I mean, it's just like, you know, smoking cigarettes or, you know, eating, eating, you know, going vegan, you know, once you start eating vegan food, I'm not vegan personally, but once you start eating, you know, vegan, um, a lot of people, they can't go back to eating, uh, or, you know, find it more, a lot more difficult to go back to eating uh, a diet with meat or dairy or et cetera, you know? Yeah. How long have you been, how many days has it been that you've been sober? Do you know the day count offhand? Days? Yeah. Cause I know, I love how you, and the reason, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on my podcast is that I love that you would post like exactly how many days you had been sober. And just for listeners, I was actually thinking about, I couldn't remember exactly how we met but I knew that we just like were in similar places and had mutual friends. Um, but when I first stopped drinking, you were like a huge kind of like virtual support system. And that's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on my show. So thanks again. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's, um, I, so currently right now I had to Google it. Um, but I, I do like to kind of remark on some certain days, um, you know, 11, 11, you know, I guess I missed 22, 22. Um, but right now it's been 2,451 days. Um, my sobriety date is currently March 5th of 2016. Damn. So, um, a little over six and a half years now. Wow. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's, uh, uh, it's super cool. It's definitely, um, something where I, from the very beginning, I first got sober in, uh, I think May 12th of 2012. Uh, and from the beginning, it was just something that I, I, when I first got sober back in 2012, I went to counseling, um, and AA uh, immediately just because it was something that I had no, uh, my drinking was out of control. Um, and my life had no, um, I didn't know how to live without drinking, um, whether it was like the socialization aspect of it or the actual, um, you know, habit or activity of drinking. 
And so I needed help. Um, and I had, I had been to, uh, court ordered to AA before, and I had been, um, to one-on-one counseling before, uh, in order to avoid, uh, potential jail time. And, uh, so I knew that those were resources that were available and I knew that they did have, um, certain success rates. So, um, back in 2012, I, uh, there was an event with Mother's Day where it was, you know, my, my mom was, it's a classic, you know, not angry. She's just disappointed. And, um, it put me into a place of, of being like, this is out of control. Like, uh, the question that I asked myself was, why can't I not drink? Um, because I had gotten to a point of, you know, it was the, the classic like birthday parties. Um, you know, you have a good day at work, you drink, you have a bad day at work, you drink. Uh, you're celebrating, you're grieving, you know, uh, there's always an occasion to drink. And um, so I, I mean, you know, I would be like, oh, I'm going to the museum. Uh, you know, I'll have a drink. I'm going to the farmer's market. I'll have, you know, and my life, I didn't know how to live without drinking. And um, so with those resources, uh, I was able to kind of build ideas and, and start to learn how to live um, just honestly uh, with a, a sense of clarity, um, and, and live, you know, soberly. So, um, and then just kind of share that with people and, and let people know like, Hey, it's, you know, it's okay to be sober. It's actually, you know, like it can be life changing. It, it, it can be life changing. It can literally save, uh, lives. Um, you know, and, and you live long enough, you start to see people who, you know, you lose friends to, uh, drinking or drugs, uh, and then you watch other people um, who are able to, you know, um, save themselves. So um, it's definitely it's definitely been worth it. Yeah, I can't I can't place exactly how we might have met. It might have been through Brandy. Um, it's funny yeah. because I I met Brandy and Brittany at Grand Valley. You know, fifteen what eighteen years ago, and then re met them. You know, ten years ago. So, or nine years ago when I was, uh, when I was already sober again. So it was an interesting way how, uh, you know, life comes back around sometimes. Oh, I love that. And you bring up like a really great point that so much of our lives is centered around like heading to the pub or, you know, socializing in circles that are kind of centered around having a drink. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they might recognize that maybe they don't have the best relationship with alcohol, but because of that social aspect, the thought of like not drinking seems almost impossible. Yeah. Yeah. That there's, there's definitely, um, I mean, especially, you know, here in America, um, I'm in Grand Rapids, you know, beer city, USA. Um, and there's definitely some pressure, um, in, you know, social situations to, uh, use alcohol, you know, to consume alcohol, uh, beer. Um, I mean, now we have a growing movement for, um, you know, marijuana, um, legalization or decriminalization, um, which in, in my, uh, history, uh, I don't use, I don't use marijuana either. So I'm a hundred percent sober from all mind altering substances, but, um, you know, in my history, uh, I had much 
fewer negative effects from marijuana. So I totally understand how people, um, you know, it's really hard to uh, speed or get in fights uh, while you're high. Um, you know, so if, if, you know, but getting back to the socialization aspect, we have that pressure. Uh, and, and a lot of times what happens is that we don't learn how to socialize uh, openly and honestly. Um, and that's how, you know, growing up for myself, I had been uh, kind of not necessarily ostracized, but almost um, socially. I felt isolated. I felt alone growing up. Um, I had been diagnosed ADD and ADHD when I was like seven years old. Um, and then I got to take trips to the uh, school nurse's office to take my medicine every day. And just, and as a, as a really young child, those kind of separating, um, actions, you know, where, you know, as an adult, I don't like take your medicine, you know? Um, but we have, we live in a culture of like differentness sometimes, uh, or otherness. Uh, and, and I felt that as at a very young age and, um, struggled to socialize, um, honestly and normally and openly. Uh, so when I discovered uh, drugs and alcohol at 17, um, it really took down a lot of those barriers, um, that I had kind of self-created because I didn't think that people wanted to socialize with me, or I didn't think that I had things to offer, uh, in, you know, friendships or relationships, etc. cetera. Uh, so getting to, um, you know, getting a, a substance involved where I was able to lower my inhibitions, um, take down those barriers and, and what I thought was be myself, which was actually just kind of, uh, releasing my ego. Um, that's the thing that alcohol does for me is it just lets my ego, uh, run rampant. So I was able to seek what my ego wanted, um, without any regard for how I affected the people around me. Um, you know, which, uh, you know, I, I still see in alcohol uh, today, you know, when I'm out and I, you know, I do go out to bars, concerts, um, you know, parties, etc. And um, basically what happened when I got sober was I was able to honestly approach myself as an individual and say, all right, who, who am I and how do I want to interact with uh, myself, but with others as well? Um, you know, and there's, it's, perfectly fine to um, decide to not interact with people. You know, there's sometimes where you can say like, Oh, Oh, I'm going to go home. You know, I don't want to be here anymore. I can leave. Uh, when I was drinking, I would, if I had that feeling, I would drink more to um, get more comfortable in the situation. Uh, I don't have a switch in my head that tells me that I've had enough, that I should go home, that I should have a water, um, you know, so it got me in a lot of trouble and I ended up, uh, as much as I wanted to be a, uh, successful social person, I ended up driving a lot of people away in my drinking life. Um, the irony is that now being sober for so many years, I have much more intentional and, um, deep and, and just, you know, more connections in general, um, with friends who I know for certain are just more authentic connections because I don't have to lie to them. I don't have to engage in like transactional relationships. 
um, trying to trade, you know, my time or my input for whatever they have to offer. You know, we can just um, give freely either way and it, it isn't about keeping tabs anymore. So, um, but yeah, socialization is, is interesting. Cause like you said, like going out to the pubs, going out to bars, um, I see, I still see that, that transactional nature and, um, the ego that comes out in, uh, situations that involve alcohol and I watch it happen and it, I'm glad that I'm not a part of it anymore because, um, for, for me, at least it was harmful. And I know that, um, you know, at least in my case, um, each individual gets to live their own life and make their own choice, but I am a lot happier, um, being able to engage in authentic interaction now, uh, than trying to cover up who I am, um, back when I was drinking. So. Do you find that when you are out in those social settings, like a concert or meeting friends at like a pub that you're hyper aware to those kind of like ego situations that you're referring to, or maybe someone that's over drinking or just, I feel really sensitive to seeing things like that now when I, when I am in that type of setting um, cause it just always kind of takes me back to like my also reckless behavior with how much alcohol I consumed. So a lot of what you were saying, I felt really similar to that, that I also don't have an off switch and there was like never any control. Yeah, I, um, yeah, I do. I, I am, I do definitely carry more of a sensitivity to, um, just kind of that, the way that that interaction pans out. Um, you know, and, and one of it is like having interactions or having conversations with people where, um, you can tell that, that it's not a two way conversation. It is a, um, what people like to say is like a person waiting to, you know, they're, they're not hearing you. They're basically waiting to respond. Um, or they're not hearing you at all and just talking over you. Um, you know, those kind of interactions or, or interactions where you kind of witness people, you know, being less aware of the feelings, uh, or their, how they might interact, how the interaction might affect other people. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's one of those things where on the one hand, sometimes, you know, in the right, in the right place, you can say, Hey, you know, you might, you might be getting a little out of hand. Um, but it depends on the relationship with that person. You know, some people, you know, you just don't have a close enough relationship or there's not a, a level of trust there, uh, as a friend to, um, you know, make that point or, or make that known. Um, other times, I mean, I have, I have no, you know, if it's a stranger, I mean, I've told people like, Hey, uh, you're in, you know, in my personal space right now, you need to leave, you know, you need to back off. Um, you know, I've told people that at concerts before and they just kind of look at me and go, yeah, you know, and I say, you know, it's fine you can sit here and enjoy the show, uh, but stop bumping into me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's a, and it, you know, I typically get, you know, it, it's kind of heads or tails, whether you get a, a, a good response with that, just because a lot of people don't like being told what to do, uh, especially if they're using alcohol. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, yeah. And just like violence that can happen from over drinking too, or, just like fights and bars, just like things like that. Those are things I definitely don't miss. 
Um, but I did find that throughout my sobriety, I found that I'm a little bit more introverted than I realized Mm -hmm. and that I would drink in order to essentially like survive social situations that I felt I had to be in. But now like now I've grown to a place where I just really honor my peace and time, like time to myself. But before I like could not even (laughs) fathom like being alone in any way. So I would just like stay in bars all the time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, I, I'm, I'm right there with you on that is, um, that's to me is when I was just fully active in my ego, um, you know, and that, that ego sought, you know, what I thought was connection, but was actually just kind of like, um, you know, um, not even camaraderie, but BC being, being in the same place as other people at the same time, you know, um, you know, and, and I kind of, my ego characterized that as, uh, socializing, but, um, like I said, now if I'm, if I'm in having interactions and I'm like, there's nothing productive in this, you know, um, you know, it, it's one to kind of appease small talk and enjoy the company in, in small ways with of people who you like, but there's other times where, you know, you're having a conversation about nothing and you're like, this is not actually anything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, with like, like you said, with alcohol, especially I uh, did the same thing as put myself in a position to survive those social situations. Um, you know, and it was, I'm like I said, I'm glad that now if I'm in a situation like that, I can just be like, actually you guys, uh, I'm going to go and no one bats an eye. Um, for the most part, I mean, I still do, uh, on occasion, on occasion, people offer me, um, alcoholic beverages most often that don't know that I'm sober. Uh, and it's easy to just kind of say, Oh no, I, you know, I don't drink, you know, um, no, I'm good. I appreciate it. Thanks. Um, and the good thing is, is that we do have a, there's a, a burgeoning movement or a growing, um, industry sector of the industry with like non-alcoholic drinks, uh, whether it be mocktails or non-alcoholic beers, um, or just accessibility to at least here in, uh, in, in, uh, Grand Rapids, uh, we've got actually a couple non-alcoholic, um, bottle shops now in town. Um, so, and, and I mean, just juices, um, you know, like I said, mocktails are, are present. There's a lot of bars or restaurants around town that have uh, six or seven mocktail drink menus, you know. Um, so it makes it a lot more accessible and a, a lot more um, kind of, what is it called? Uh, um, just that, you know, people are willing to, uh, acceptable, you know. Uh, and also just with the with COVID and a lot of people being put in positions, uh, to kind of, you know, investigate themselves and spend time with themselves, uh, or a very small group of people, um, you know, food service, stuff like that, where uh, a lot of people got put in like tumultuous mental health situations. Uh, and some people have, a lot of people that I know have come out, uh, you know, on the other side and are like, you know what? I don't really like alcohol. You know, I don't like the way that it makes me feel. I don't, you know, I, I don't have good interactions with it. 
Um, you know, and that's kind of a, an interesting thing is that there is a, a movement towards acceptance of a sober lifestyle. So. Yeah. And I'm curious, did you complete the 12 step program? Uh, I, so I actually, I, when I started, when I first got sober in 2012, I was going to about, I went to one week, I think like 13 meetings in a week. Um, I was going to counseling every week. Um, I built a really good foundation of, um, you know, kind of like the tenets of, uh, sobriety. Um, the furthest I ever got was the third step. So I didn't actually end up working with, I had a, a, a bad interaction with, or a bad relationship with a, a sponsor. Um, and which unfortunately they kind of, uh, abused my trust. And I mean, I could go back to it. Um, I just haven't, um, you know, and that's kind of on me. Uh, but the, I've done a lot of investigating with just like, um, you know, ways of thinking and, you know, stuff like that over the years to just understand, you know, interactions, uh, interpersonal and interpersonal interactions and how, um, our trains of thought affect us as people, uh, as individuals, as well as kind of how we interact with the people around us. Um, you know, and I, and I still interact with people in AA. I have a lot of friends in AA. Um, I personally, I don't have an aversion to going to meetings, but I just, um, you know, I've just fallen out of the habit of, uh, going to meetings regularly. So, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. It's interesting because I, I do have friends who ask me sometimes, like if a friend were to ask me today, like, Hey, do you want to come to a noon meeting? I'd be like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually volunteering at, uh, there's, what is it? Mich- uh, the Mickey Pa, which is a Michigan committee of young people and Alcoholics Anonymous. Yep. Um, they're doing a, their big event here, um, the weekend after Thanksgiving and I am volunteering, uh, with them, uh, next Sunday. So, um, a week from today. So, nice. yeah, so I'm still, uh, you know, active in that community and, um, and I love having conversations about it. Um, but I just don't seek out the, the actual meetings and I, the steps, um, you know, I guess, like I said, that it's on me that I haven't, uh, uh, gone back to them. So I don't know, maybe sometime soon. <laughs> the reason I asked is I was just chatting with another friend and I was curious if people who maybe aren't sober, but are curious about maybe taking that step, if they're able to go to AA meetings to learn about it, or if that's like kind of frowned upon, um, like you shouldn't go unless you're tr- like, you know, you're actually joining it. Um, are there any kind of like unwritten rules with AA that people should know? Um, well, th- yeah, th- there is actually a, a pretty clear rule on that is that there are, uh, there's a difference between, um, there's what's called closed meetings, which are meetings that are closed to everybody except for um, actual members of AA. And to be a member of AA, you have to be, um, sober and or interested in being sober. Um, you know, the, if you just wanted information, there's plenty of open meetings as well. And open meetings are more along the lines of like, you could show up and just be like, I'm just, you know, I'm just curious about sobriety. Um, 
there's also, I mean, a lot more people who are, um, you know, individually sober. And at least in my experience, uh, what I'm seeing is that a lot more people are more open to sharing their stories about that. Um, and, you know, and that's kind of, uh, AA is itself, like I said, there's, I don't have an aversion to it. Um, but there's definitely, and like I said, there is, there is actual very clear, like closed meeting versus open meeting. So if someone were interested, um, they could go to an open meeting, no problem. And, um, just say, Hey, like, you know, I'm just, I'm just interested in what AA is, you know, uh, what AA is, what AA does, et cetera. Um, you know, and that's kind of, um, I've been to hundreds of AA meetings. Uh, what they say is that there's never a bad AA meeting. Um, part of that has to do with like the open-mindedness, um, and sobriety has definitely increased my level of open-mindedness where I've been to some AA meetings, which were, uh, just really strange and kind of keeping with that thought of like, there's no such thing as a bad AA meeting is learning, what makes that what would be termed a bad experience into uh, a learning experience instead of a bad experience. So um, that's kind of uh, an interesting byproduct of sobriety for me is just being open-minded to different perceptions of how, um, you know, life events or how things happen, you know, so. Would you say that you could also, relate that to the levels of sobriety that like each individual defines what sobriety is to them or that sobriety only has like one definition? For me personally, I think that sobriety is just a really fluid, um, it has just a really fluid definition. It is, I mean, granted, uh, you know, if a person doesn't drink for a week and then drinks and then doesn't drink for a week. And then if the, you know, a person drinks every Sunday, you know, um, for them to say like, you know, after a year of not drinking Monday through Saturday and then drinking every Sunday for the, if they were to say, Hey, I've been sober for a year, I might look a little, you know, strangely upon that. Um, but being sober from certain substances, like I said, like there's a, a term called a Cali sober, um, you know, and that's the, uh, using marijuana. Um, and that's perfectly fine. I mean, like I said, I, you know, don't have an aversion to that at all. Uh, I just personally, um, you know, some of the last times that I started to use or that I used marijuana, I got really paranoid, you know, and when I got sober this most recent time, it was just, um, I just never, you know, felt the desire to pick up uh, weed either. Um, you know, and so I'm, you know, truly sober. Uh, when I had relapsed back in, what is it? 2015. Um, I, I, my relapse started with, uh, with weed in, I think that October. And then it, in that December is when I actually started using alcohol again. Um, and whether that actually opened the door to, uh, the alcohol or not, I can't say, um, my friend who I was with when, I, uh, you know, relapsed with marijuana was, um, she was really like, like did I do this? Did I? And I was like, no, I mean, this is a, this is my personal choice. Um, and that's ultimately the understanding. Um, like you said, with like levels of sobriety is that we're all 
individually responsible for, um, you know, our own choices. Um, granted, you know, addiction is an interesting thing that affects choice making. Um, but, um, layered that on top of, like you said, with like levels of sobriety is kind of how honest, um, you know, the, the honesty and clarity that a person, um, engages in their life with. Uh, so, you know, being sober, like I said, being sober every day, except for Sunday, wouldn't necessarily count for continued sobriety for me. Um, and if a person wanted to characterize that as a, a, a longer term sobriety, um, you know, it's definitely an interesting way of looking at it. Um, so, um, but yeah, like that, that level of honesty and, and clarity is what allows at least myself to kind of approach life with, um, a different perception than I used to. So, um, yeah, there's definitely a, definitely levels and, and a lot of different facets to, um, sobriety and, and sober living. So. Yeah. How do you feel about, um, you know, like non-alcoholic beers? Cause, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I recently learned that like non-alcoholic beers, um, are kind of like similar to kombucha where they do have a, still a tiny bit of alcohol in them, but it's so little that it, it's not the same as like drinking a beer or something. Do you have any thoughts on that or know anything about that? Cause I, I'm bringing it up because I also, I kind of am weary to have like candies or cakes that are like, you know, have like bourbon or are soaked with alcohol or something like that. And I'm just wondering if you have any boundaries with certain foods or something. So, uh, it's funny you bring that up. I, I do have, um, some, I do have some exact instances of, um, my interactions with these things when I was, I, on the topic of like non-alcoholic beers, uh, kombucha. Um, so like kombucha and non-alcoholic beers are typically going to be a half percent alcohol or less. Um, and so that's not going to be enough for, at least for me to, um, personally to like feel anything. And if I start to, so like I'll have, I'll have kombucha because I like it, the effervescence of it. Um, you know, it might calm my stomach. I might just feel like it sometime, but I won't have the 3% or the hard kombuchas. Um, with non-alcoholic beers, uh, I drink, um, you know, I might drink non-alcoholic beers while I'm golfing, uh, or, you know, um, have like a, there's a hot day and I am doing some yard work and I'm like, I'm like, dude, a non-alcoholic beer sounds great. And sometimes it just does. Um, if I start to like slam four or five and I'm just like, I'm not feeling anything. I want to feel something. I have a problem. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely come to, I started drinking alcoholic beers, uh, only a couple years ago. And, um, it's definitely, there's definitely some times where all of a sudden I'm drinking like four or five a day and I'm like, I'm not getting drunk at all, but I'm drinking non-alcoholic beers like their water, uh, I should just dial it back, you know? And like I said, it doesn't affect my, um, you know, my mental capacity at all, but I just kind of like realized like I, I'm not doing this for a, you know, a good reason at all. 
Um, but some explicit examples of my interactions with like uh, alcohol and food or et cetera, I was at a, uh, a brunch uh, a few years ago and had uh, exactly what you said, like a bonbon uh, with, I think, filled with brandy. And, you know, I put a couple on the plate and it was just like bonbons or brandy bonbons. And I thought it was like a, a brandy essenced bonbon or something, you know. And I popped one in my mouth and bit down and it was full of brandy. And immediately it was just like, yo, uh, okay, that's uh, definitely, you know, more than I expected. And immediately it was like, all right, cool, that's not for me. And I gave them to, um, I think I was with my mom or somebody else. Um, but I just gave them to somebody else that was right there. I was, and, you know, they, all right, these are not for me. This is fine. Um, but, uh, and then when I had first gotten, like in my first year of sobriety back in 2012, I remember having some um, like Tylenol severe cold or something like that. The stuff that's like 10% alcohol. Oh, shit. And I, yeah. And I remember like opening it and I remember just like, I was like, I feel ter- like, before I, before I took the, and it was only the dosage, the recommended dosage, but I was like, I feel terrible. Like I didn't, I didn't pay attention to the bottle or whatever, but I took this, this dose in a little cup. And all of a sudden I was like, yo, there is alcohol in that. Um, and I was new to sobriety, you know, like a a self-desired sobriety. And I was like, and it put me in a you know, just so topsy turvy where I was like, Oh my God, uh, I've relapsed right now. I, I'm drinking alcohol right now. And the, the really shitty thing is that I called somebody from AA or I called the AA helpline and they were like, well, are you relapsing? And I was like, no, I just consumed like some alcohol from some cold medicine. And they were like, well, if you're not relapsing, then we can't really help you. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> and I was just, I remember just sitting there and like next to my bed and like, I, you know, I'm not necessarily, um, uh, you know, I like to consider myself spiritual, but not religious. And I sat there next to my bed and I was just like, I was just like prayed for some clarity on what I was, you know, on, on what was happening at that point in time. Um, and I just like, all right, you know, I didn't drink anymore. And I, went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I was like, all right, that's not a relapse. I didn't pay attention. I'm, you know, using it as recommended. Um, and so since then, I mean, after that I did have an actual relapse, um, three and a half years sober, you know, and then I relapsed, uh, by myself at seven in the morning at work. Um, you know, and, uh, I was relapsed on alcohol for like a little over three months. Um, and that relapse taught me a lot. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend a relapse because I'm lucky I made it out alive, but um, it's just learning more about our relationship with alcohol uh, or drugs or what have you. Um, and that is uh, always an individual thing. Um, so getting back onto, you know, how I interact with alcohol and stuff like that, I, um, like I said, I go to bars, I go to uh, shows, concerts. Um, there are some people I know who can't go to a coffee shop because the clinking of the glass bottles, you know, puts them into a, um, you know, gets, gets them topsy turvy about, you know, and reminds them of being a bar. Um, you know, there are other people who 
you know, uh, can't consume any alcohol, um, you know, whether it's in a cold medicine or kombucha or et cetera, because, um, you know, because of that kind of internal, um, or whether it's an actual, like, like an actual, you know, almost allergic reaction to alcohol. Um, you know, uh, my relationship with it is knowing that like, I'm not going to consume any, anything more than a, you know, uh, in quotes, non-alcoholic beer, uh, or kombucha that's like a half percent alcohol or less. Um, I wouldn't even like taste. I might, I might smell a, a, a whiskey or a scotch, you know, just cause I'm interested. Um, but I won't, I don't want to taste it at all because I know that my relationship with alcohol, um, is not a healthy or productive relationship. Um, yeah. you know, uh, and it's funny because I used to characterize myself as I thought that I was like a classy drinker. Um, you know, like with scotch, or I'd, I'd get, I'd drink nice, you know, nice beer or nice liquor or this or that. Uh, and I fancied myself, you know, as someone who was, was classy and, um, I was not, you know, um, I didn't have any, any switch to like turn off the, uh, um, the chaos. So I would get, I would start out classy and then I just turn into a total shit show. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean that, that all comes down to a, a person's individual, like I said, that, that level of honesty, that level of self-awareness um, of being like, Oh, is, is this starting to uh, impede my clarity of thought? You know, um, is this changing the way that I want to interact um, with myself or with other people? You know, and if those are the cases, um, you know, at least for myself, taking a little time thinking about that and, and saying like, all right, how do I want to continue with this? You know, uh, if, if, if it's worth continuing at all, if not, um, you know, just kind of making those choices on a case by case basis. Um, you know, and everybody's, like you said, like everybody's definition of sobriety can be different, um, levels of sobriety, um, you know, uh, and, it's, it's, it ultimately comes down to, like I said, that level of kind of like self-awareness and level of honesty um, about how we're interacting with, uh, with ourselves in our world. So, Have you ever found yourself in situation, like maybe a social setting or like a friend's gathering at like a house or something and someone kind of directly asks you why you're not drinking, not necessarily like, do you want to drink, but maybe you've already said no. And then a further question is asked, have you ever been, what's like a good situation of that? What does that look like? And then what's a bad situation like that look like? Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, a, a few weeks ago, um, my buddies and I went to a Buffalo Wild Wings, uh, before we were going golfing. Um, and I ordered, you know, we ordered some food and I ordered a, a non-alcoholic beer and there was an older guy sitting at the bar and he goes, you bet you're better off drinking water. You're better off drinking pop. And I was just like, well, it doesn't taste the same, you know, I'm going golfing. It just, that's, it was just what I wanted, you know, and, um, as an adult, I can do what I want. And, um, it's funny because he made, he made mention of it, like, you know, at least one or two more times. And the guys that were with like, man, that guy just really wouldn't leave it alone. And I just, it's didn't pay attention. You know, I just stopped paying attention to him because, you know, I'm doing what I want to do for myself. You know, um, if I were drinking, uh, and he started to remark about something, um, I could just easily, you know, black out and fight an old guy in a bar. Um, in other situations that, you know, 
I don't necessarily know that there's like a bad situation where it's happened. Um, most people are um, pretty initially accepting or pretty immediately accepting of, you know, kind of that, um, you know, when I tell them that I don't drink or, and the reason that I don't drink is because my relationship with alcohol is not good. You know, I, I'll tell people like, Hey, I just don't have a good relationship with alcohol. Um, you know, I spent eight years drinking and using drugs and, um, that was a long time. And a lot of, I went through a lot of bad things in that time. Um, and you know, it's, uh, ultimately it's up to like, you know, I made the choice for myself to be sober and, you know, the stuff that I went through to get there. Um, I mean, like I said earlier, like physical injury, emotional injury, um, just, you know, mental and emotional anguish, um, you know, and it's, it's, it was, I guess it was worth it to be sober today. Um, but I wouldn't wish what I went through on anybody because it sucks. Um, and that's kind of how I characterize it to people. It's like, look, my, I just don't have a good relationship with alcohol. And, you know, I black out, I get in fights, I fall down, um, you know, uh, any number of things. I, I crash cars. I, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, most, most of the time, and a lot of people are open to it and kind of, and, and, you know, like you mentioned earlier, there is a growing curiosity about sobriety, um, where people might be in a situation at a party or at a social setting and be like, you know, you kind of have this thought creep in that says like, why am I, uh, why am I drinking right now? You know, I don't, you know, and that's kind of, um, you know, that part of ourself that kind of asks, like, why, why is my ego uh, in control? You know, uh, why am I just feeding this part of myself that, you know, doesn't serve me? Um, you know, and that's kind of something that I continuously learn is like, if it doesn't serve you, let it go. You know, um, and that goes for more than just alcohol, it goes for a bunch of stuff. I mean, you know, people, places, things. Um, you know, actions, habits, stuff like that. If it doesn't serve you, let it go. So, um, yeah, I can't really say that the, the, the bad interactions, I mean, it hardly ever happens. Most people, even people who are, you know, still heavily in alcohol culture, um, if they're true friends, you know, they're just, they're like, they're like, Hey, cool. Yeah, that's fine. You know? So, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's that. Yeah. It's uh, the reason I asked is because most of the people I've talked to that don't drink now have this kind of um, it's like a certain part of the early part of sobriety where you sort of like lose friends or your, your circles kind of shift. And I feel like that's a transition. And so at least I also felt in sobriety, I think a big part of it was also that that was happening for me during COVID so it felt even more like removed, but, um, I guess the reason I asked it is that I've been asked before, like, oh, you're not drinking because you were an alcoholic or something like that. So I guess I just want to bring awareness around like how to have those conversations with people. If you are someone that drinks and you come across someone that doesn't, um, yeah, I guess, 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right, is that the, um, you know, that that growing sense of, you know, uh, a lot of people kind of getting curious about sobriety or being in, um, you know, kind of those situations where they're, you know, newly sober and they're, the way that they relate to the people around them, the way that they relate to their environments is changing. Um, I remember one of the first times that I, I, I actually felt that I was at, you know, when I first got sober in 2012, I still went to the bar five nights a week. Um, I still worked at a liquor store. Um, I was around booze all the time. Um, you know, and I mean, I, the, the, my, the people I live with, um, you know, they drink, you know, and it's, um, it's just a personal choice for myself that I don't, um, indulge. And, um, the big thing was, is that kind of coming to, coming to terms or understanding your own personal choices and that they're for yourself and that they don't have to, um, be for, uh, anybody else, you know, and, um, but when I was at a bar, I remember, I was sitting there and I was, you know, play Kino and drink Red Bull with my, you know, friends because it's all the only people that I knew. And I remember just being there and then all of a sudden kind of like the, the aura, the, the energy in the entire room shifted and it went from like, you know, kind of fun and, you know, enjoyable and people kind of enjoying the time to, you know, kind of just, a, you know, dark and predatory and, um, you know, kind of turning into like that transactional kind of, you know, ego driven where, you know, you just start to hear people's, uh, voices start to raise, um, you can kind of see in body language, um, you know, whether some people start to slouch or, you know, people get more boisterous or aggressive. And I just remember like being in this bar and having that sense and being like, I got to go. I don't, I don't need to be here right now. Um, and which, you know, there's a, a big difference between needing and wanting and, um, you know, being fresh to sobriety. I remember having to investigate, um, and, and spend time with myself and how and why I was doing the things that I was doing. Um, and, and, and it's becoming, um, it's kind of building faith in your own personal choices, um, where you're saying like, all right, I'm doing this for myself and, you know, I, I'm doing this because I've seen it in effect, um, somewhere else, you know, I'm doing this because I think it's going to have a, a change or have, have a positive effect. Um, I'm doing this because I don't like what I was doing before. You know, um, and it, it's tough because like we mentioned earlier, kind of we're socially pressured into using, uh, alcohol. Um, and you know, there's a, there is a growing movement of, you know, um, sobriety, but ultimately it's kind of establishing our, that for ourselves as individuals and being like, all right, as an individual, I'm making these choices and I'm going to continue to make these choices. Um, and the cool thing is, is that as it continues, you're able to, um, build strength 
and, and build faith in the choice that you continue to make. Um, you know, they say one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time, you know, sometimes one minute at a time where you're in a situation, you're like, dude, I just, just right now, I can't drink just this minute, you know? And, um, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. Um, but taking time to, you know, spending time with ourselves and why we're making the choices that we're making, why we're, um, doing what we're doing, you know, how we're engaging, um, with the people, with our, you know, uh, our environments around us, that is, um, at least, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier the longer you get in sobriety where you start to kind of break that, uh, that stranglehold of, um, you know, that alcohol, uh, has on, uh, our mental processes and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's a really good perspective and I just yeah dude I'm super proud of you I'm like I love that I was actually just looking at the book that you sent me remember when we like traded packages oh yeah I love that yeah that uh was it the Grand Rapids picture book yeah Ariel yeah yeah super cool that was like one of the really coolest things to get a package in the mail and it's interesting because everyone that I'm interviewing uh, for this sobriety series were all people that were sort of this like, you know, like virtual support system. Cause I didn't really have, I don't really have any sober friends in Germany, but I'm like really thinking about it. Yeah. I don't think any of my friends here are sober. So I kind of built this emotional attachment to each of you that's in the series that just someone that I admired and kind of looked up to. Yeah. Well, and the, the thing is, I mean, you know, I, I see that you get out and you socialize and you travel. Um, and one important thing is I, I have like, in my case, I have sober friends here. Um, but I don't isolate myself from, um, other people who use drugs or drink. Um, and, and part of that is, you know, kind of putting, um, not necessarily putting sobriety out on show, um, but being available to kind of life as a whole, as a sober person. Um, you know, I see, uh, the, the joy that you get from traveling and spending time with your friends, um, even though they might not be sober. Um, but that in and of itself is kind of a, a, a testimony or a testament to, um, you know, that sobriety is just fine. Um, sobriety can be fun. You know, you can live an enjoyable, fun life, um, in sobriety. And I mean, that's, you know, I have uh, a friend who, uh, just moved back from out of state and, um, they were just telling me like, they were literally on the verge of death. Um, and they moved back because their entire life was falling apart due to alcohol. Um, and now I think they just got a, their first month of sobriety. And, um, it's just one of those things where it's like, um, being sober and being, uh, being able to live normally, um, is like I said, a, a testimony to, uh, how we can just be ourselves. 
And it allows other people to, if they have any questions, kind of connect and say like, Hey man, like, um, how'd you do that? You know? And, um, and that's when I was, I mean, I quit smoking cigarettes as well. And that was, that was something else. What's that? Nice. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been over a year and it's, it's one of those things where like I had quit smoking for, you know, a number of years and then I picked it back up and then it's, it's wild. Um, just, you know, kind of when you start to change things in your life, um, you know, you can, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, over and, and, you know, overly share stuff like that, but being present as a resource to other people who want to, um, or, who are interested in those changes. Um, I think to me at least is important. Um, and like you said earlier, like being like in learning that you're actually an introvert, uh, even though you seem like a social butterfly, you know, that's what, you know, some people look, look at me and they're, they th- see a social butterfly, which I can do just fine. Um, but I had a friend recently was like, you're an introvert. You, you don't act like it in, in social situations. And I was like, well, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you know? Um, but it's, it's, I think, like I said, being sober and being, um, an authentic human being, um, not to say that people who aren't sober are, are inauthentic. Um, and not to say that anybody who is sober is automatically an authentic person. Cause I know plenty of assholes who are sober or people who are sober, who are also, um, pricks, you know, um, yeah. just, you know, there's no kind of absolute, uh, solutions in any of those, um, uh, being sober or being, um, you know, a, a user of drugs or alcohol. Um, so, but for people who have problems with alcohol or problems with drugs, um, you know, kind of being, uh, living authentically and living life and being like, Hey dude, it's okay to be alive. And it's, it's, it's cool to be alive and be sober. Um, you know, and for me, that's a really cool thing. Um, and like connecting with you and, you know, like I said, I've, you know, connecting with other people who are like, dude, I really appreciate you taking, you know, some time to talk about this because, um, you know, it's, it is sometimes just so isolating being like, I don't know how to live like this anymore. And I need to make a change, you know? So, um, but yeah, like connecting with, you know, like you said, like the, the, the care packages, um, you know, connecting with people in, in real tangible ways sometimes is, um, it's definitely a, a, a nice breath of fresh air. Yeah, I agree. And it's, I just love that most of the sober people that I've interacted with are similar to you. And again, open and it really, it really does come down to that authentic self and honoring that like inner child, you know, Hmm. protecting Mm -hmm. it. Um, And also like, you know, helping sift through the shame that comes from making that choice to possibly not drink anymore. Yeah. Um, So. Well, that's, yeah. Like you mentioned shame and shame is so interesting to me. Um, you know, where even adults, you know, when I see people, when I see people who are adults, um, hiding things, I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, you know, 
if you, if you have to hide something, if you, I mean, that's to me, that feels like it's shame right away. And I know people who hide their drinking, who hide this. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, that you're, you know, inherently, you know, that you're doing something wrong. Um, and unfortunately we just, you know, a lot of times we just don't have the strength to, or the, to kind of, you know, buck that shame, um, and try to investigate, uh, what makes us feel that way. Um, but I don't think, I mean, like you said, like the shame with, with being sober initially, like it definitely is an interesting feeling, but it's, it's, um, I think well worth it because, um, ultimately like for myself, I had to make friends with myself again. Um, I had spent so many years drinking and trying to create a version of myself that was sociable. Um, that when I got sober, uh, it was, it was rediscovering myself and being like, all right, cool. Like, who am I again? Like who, who am I? Who can I be? Who do I want to be? Um, you know, and how do I, how do I give up on that, that shame of, um, how do I give up on shame in general? You know? So. Yeah, I love that. It's, I feel that when I became sober, I, after a certain amount of time, I realized that I actually control my own narrative. And I think Mm -hmm. I just let alcohol kind of spin that narrative into like chaoticness. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of want to end on that note of that we all have the power to rewrite our narrative and we're all allowed to change our minds and it's okay if you don't want to drink anymore. Like, um, yeah, I just, it's so interesting how that feeling has changed for me because I used to have so much anxiety about like the first time I came back to Michigan sober and like, would my friends still be my friends? You know, that kind of thing. Right. And now I just feel like so secure in myself. And the reality is, is that all the most important people in my life, like didn't even bat an eye when I told them I stopped drinking. Right. Like, relationship with them didn't change. And that also was a huge eye opener to like, okay, who are people that are, you know, adding value to my life? Like we're adding value to each other's lives, not these like transactional interactions that you were talking about, you know, where it's like, okay, we're like beefing each other up or like, I don't know, just, just like not authentic. Isn't that something? Mm. What a way to live. Yeah, dude. Oh, cool. Thank you so much for coming on today. And I'm just really excited to share your story, dude. Thank you so much. Absolutely, I appreciate you inviting me. I know, uh, like you said, carrying anxiety, I'd been carrying anxiety about, about this for, I mean, since we first mentioned it, however long ago. So, um, on the one hand, I'm glad it's, uh, glad it's over, but, uh, um, also super, uh, super awesome to talk to you and uh, glad to catch up and um, yeah. Thank you for tuning in to Lunar Cat's third series, Sobriety. Thank you to Matt for coming on the show and sharing your sober journey with us. You are so appreciated. And huge shout out to every returning listener. Your support means the world to me. Thanks for leaning in. Stay cool.